one of the most common aspects of travel that comes up is unsurprisingly true in life as it is in travel. The fact that when you travel, there are going to be good times. There'll be times when you feel so lucky, so free, so perfectly placed. Likewise, there are moments which are the complete opposite. We've all had those experiences where everything seems to go wrong all at once. So what do we do in these moments? If they're gonna show up no matter what, how can we act and face them when they do? And how can these experiences add to our appreciation of the good times? With music from Cody Crabb, writing by Nicole Mello, I'm Hayden Lee. This is Travel Stories Podcast. Today's guest, Brittany Felix, lives strictly to her own values and her own thoughts on life and how she wants to live it. A digital nomad and an accomplished traveler, she hosts the Living Unconventionally podcast, talking to people that take their life into their own hands and play by no one's rules but their own. Brittany, how are you doing? I am fantastic, Hayden. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very, very well. Whereabouts in the world are you? I am in Colorado in the United States. We are at the base of the Rocky Mountains. Nice. And it sounds to me like you don't live there. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Well, we actually do right now. We just settled down here. We just finished up a road trip around the Western Western United States in our RV and have settled back down here in a city that we fell in love with a couple of years ago, actually. Nice. Okay. So this is something that you don't hear very often of people that that travel around for a long period of time and, you know, digital nomads and things like that. This whole, or you do hear it quite a bit, actually, this settling down. It's something for me, it's, I'm, I'm kind of, I couldn't see it in my future, but I, I can understand, you know, the reasons behind it. So what are your reasons for having this settling, you know, even if it's a settling period or if this is where you're going to settle, I don't want to say forever, but for a long period of time, what are your, what are your reasons for it? Uh, My one and only reason is my husband, who is not comfortable with traveling full time. If it were up to me, I wouldn't even be in this country right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting. So I guess it's kind of finding that balance between, Mm -hmm. you know, your love of travel and and having to pursue that. And then, like you say, settling down. That's that's really interesting. How do you how do you get around that? How do you is it? What's the compromise look like? The compromise started with us selling our home and leaving behind our traditional life last year. And he went on the road with me full time in the RV. He he gave it a real shot. He's just not comfortable with it. He doesn't have the right type of personality. He prefers stability and a routine. So the compromise now on my end is that we have settled here in a city that we both love that provides plenty of adventure while we're here. And we're going to treat it as a home base for us to either both travel or for me to have solo travels. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Colorado is one of those places where you do hear about, you can do a lot of adventure there. You know, I, I always talk to people from Colorado. They're like, man, I've been here forever. It's, it's the best. Like, you know, I enjoy mm-hmm. travel, but here there's, there's mountains, there's plenty of hiking. There's pretty much everything in Colorado. I think there's a reason why people with our mindset, people with the travel mindset and the different way of thinking about life, I think there's a reason they flock to Colorado. Are there, are there a lot of people, are you finding a lot of people there like that? Absolutely. People, flocking is really the best word. People are flocking to the state and it's for the reasons that you just mentioned. The 
outdoor activities here are unmatched as far as I'm concerned. I've lived in other states and you're right. The hiking is incredible here in this metropolitan city that I live in. It has so many miles of trails and so many parks and mountains to climb and things to do. And the atmosphere in the entire city is just a sense of adventure. Everyone here is out doing something all the time. Yeah, it's, it's this interesting thing of like, we always think, well, we must go somewhere to go and have these adventures or go and see something or go and do something like, I want to hike this mountain. But then you forget about the place that either the place you live or the place you grew up in or the place that you, you are at the moment, you know, like, for example, I think it was last month, I found out that I live near five castles and I grew up near five castles. And it's like, <laughs> man, like people travel all, all over the world to see castles. like, mm-hmm. And you don't even think about it because it's like... Like, this is the place I'm from. You know, this is the boring old town that I grew up in, you know. But like, I don't know. I think there's some interesting stuff. Well, it's that theory of everywhere is foreign to someone that's not from there. You know, everywhere is a potential travel destination. So where did you grow up? I actually grew up in the capital city of Indiana. Uh, So I had either a metropolitan city or cornfields. There really wasn't a whole lot in between unless I wanted to drive for a few hours to check out some other things or really to go to some other states. (laughs) So I can completely relate in thinking that, you know, you grow up in a boring town and I absolutely could not wait to leave. I was going to say, are you debunking my theory here that there's (laughs) something interesting everywhere? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure they're probably the interesting, you know, things for people who enjoy, you know, nightlife or things like that. But I like adventure outdoors. Well, I don't know about you, but I love a bit of corn. Corn is, you know, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> I have to. It's, it's in my blood, apparently, being from Indiana. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, we're in agreement of the concept of living our lives the way we want to, not how we're supposed to. I love how you say that on your site. And for me, if I'm choosing whether or not to do something like any business decision or if I'm choosing like starting a podcast or whatever it is, as well as the checkboxes of, you know, do I enjoy it? Is it profitable? This type of stuff. A big checkbox for me is, is this, all things considered, an overall net positive for the world? Which really makes you think about your job, your business, your circumstances, everything like that. So what does your checklist look like if you're evaluating whether or not to do something, whether it's a, a business thing or, or anything like that? I think the biggest thing for me comes down to, do I actually want to do it? Is it enjoyable for me? I spent so many years in a corporate setting doing menial tasks, knowing that I wasn't living up to my potential, doing something just because somebody who was deemed more important than me with a higher pay grade told me to do it, whether or not it was the right thing to do. And I have a real problem with authority and So now I think all of my decisions are based on, do I actually want to do this? Because the only person forcing me is myself. So that's kind of my my guiding light. I don't do anything that I don't enjoy. Hmm. I love that. I think we're kindred spirits in that type of way. It reminds <laughs> me of, uh, I think it was when I was maybe 14, 15 or something. I was having the same thing of like, I've always had a dislike for authority. I don't know where it came from, but like I channeled it into punk rock music, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all that did was strengthen it. <laughs> all right. I did was level up my, you know, I wouldn't say hatred, but my dislike of authority. And it's, I don't know, for me, it kind of got a little... Not out of hand, but, but a little, even if someone had authority and they had gen, you know, genuine 
I wouldn't say genuine authority, but an authority figure. I would immediately want to want them to dislike me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I kind of went too far in it, you know. And I'm always like that. And it's like I was thinking, it's kind of similar to like people in our community. The reason it got me thinking of this was because I was vegan for like you know four years, five years, something like that, and. People in our community, not unlike vegans and people that go to CrossFit and stuff like that, they can be seen as elitist and judgmental. You should do this. Why are you doing that, etc. Talking down to people that are living the quote standard life. But I see it differently, and I'm wondering how you see it. Do you see, you know, digital nomads and people like that? Do you see them as judgmental and elitist? You know, I really don't, but I understand that a lot of people do, and. I don't think it's a sense of us trying to tell people how to live their lives. It's us realizing how freeing this type of lifestyle is and wanting others to experience that. It's feeling like we know something that they don't. And if we just help them figure this out, their life is going to be better. So we're not trying to tell them that the way they're living right now is wrong. We just want everyone to experience the freedom and happiness that we experience. Yes, that is that is the exact thing that I thought about it. It's like it's the same with vegans and people that do CrossFit. You know, they do it for the first time. They go, "Man, I feel amazing," and it's、mm-hmm. not exactly like you say. It's not you should do this. It's man, I'm really loving this. You, maybe you should give this a shot. You know, <laughs> you know. And it's I think it's hard to have that when there's that big mass of people saying the same thing. It's hard not to see them as a group, as an as a you know a group that's saying this one thing. And as, and again, it comes down to To the psychology of people, if someone's saying, "Hey, you should do this," it immediately puts you in that mindset of like, "I'm doing something wrong." You know, I think、right. that's maybe maybe that's the way people see it. You know, it's they think that people are saying you're doing something wrong by living the standard life. You know, it's it's a tough one. Well, and I think when anybody takes that approach, when anybody hears something like this and they automatically go on the defensive, it's because they don't want to admit that the person might have a point. I think that they get defensive because they're so fiercely holding on to what is comfortable to them and what is safe to them, and they, re- you know, they know that if they recognize that this person might have some valid points, they're going to have to confront some very big things in their own life, and a lot of people just aren't comfortable with that. Yes, that is ab- an absolutely great point. So, if you were if you were someone that was living the the standard traditional life, right, but you felt you felt how we both felt, you know that that one moment or that many moments where you're like, man, this is not where I want to be. I'm not doing what I want to do, and someone says to you. You know, maybe you should try this, or you see people living the digital nomad lifestyle, whatever word you want to use, or see people traveling or anything like that. How would you help them kind of think about accepting that in, you know, and losing that that mindset of man, I'm doing something wrong. What am I doing? And what would be your first steps to first steps to accepting it and and actually doing it and giving it a shot? You know, I actually was that person for a very very long time, several several years. To be completely honest, I've known my entire life I never wanted to live in a traditional way, but it you know you just kind of do the things that you do. You go to college, you get a normal job, and you get married and you settle down. That's just how it goes. I always knew that there was something missing, something just not quite right. And whenever I would hear these stories of these people who live these incredible lives and who are saying just follow your dreams, I would get so angry. Because everyone is saying just do this, it's amazing, but no one talked about how. So for years, I just kind of sat in that anger and that frustration, 
And eventually I just got sick of being miserable. I just got sick of not being happy in my own life and in my own skin. And I started just doing research, which is what I recommend everyone do. Don't think that you have to follow in everyone's footsteps, but just consume information. And you're going to realize pretty quickly, actually, just how many different ways there are to make this lifestyle possible. And just because someone else is out there, you know, doing this amazing year long trek and, you know, you don't think that you could do that. There are other things that you can do in the meantime. There are small baby steps that you can take. But I think that very, very first one is educating yourself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the first steps to, to doing anything. You know, you want to be a motorcycle mechanic. What do you got to do? You got to learn about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people, they, they first learn about this by reading the four hour work week. You know, that's mm -hmm. a big popular book among, among people that travel, among people that have, uh, you know, entrepreneurial businesses. I suppose all businesses are entrepreneurial, but <laughs> that have these location independent businesses and everything like that. So if that's not the book that you'd recommend first, what would you recommend first? I would actually recommend the book that I feel helped really spark the change in me going from anger to determination. And that is The Art of Nonconformity by Chris Guillebeau. Interesting. I haven't actually heard of that one. No way. What's, uh, what's it his vibe? literally changed my life. He, he's been to every single country in the entire world. He's an entrepreneurial genius, just an all around great personable guy. And reading his book, talking about essentially what I am all about, living life in a non-traditional way, accepting who you are and what you really need from life and not letting anything stop you. It's, it's so powerful to hear the thoughts that you have told yourself for years inside your own head on the pages that someone else, a complete stranger has written. And literally, I mean, almost word for word, the exact things that I have thought about just knowing that there is something more to life. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes for you guys. And I know that you on your on your site and on your uh, podcast and everything, you also deal with the the kind of helping and inspiring people to look at things this way. And I do want to talk about that. But first, do you have a story for us today? I do. Awesome. Awesome. Whereabouts does it take place? It actually takes place in Paris, France. Right. And if you could give this story a name, what would you call it? Parisian roller coaster of emotion. I love that. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> right then, you're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Brittany Felix with Parisian roller coaster of emotion. I have been maybe a little obsessed with Paris, France for years and years, maybe decades at this point. And was blessed with the incredible opportunity to be able to go there for my honeymoon back in 2011. It was my first ever trip out of the country and I was so excited for it that I pushed up our wedding by about six or seven months, only giving myself four months to plan a wedding that was out of state. So there's your first clue that I'm a little bit crazy. When we arrived in Paris, after I spent, oh, about 30 hours awake, because unfortunately I cannot sleep while sitting up, we realized that everyone in the Charles de Gaulle airport was being ushered into one of the two baggage claims areas by armed security guards. 
This being my first experience on foreign soil, I was a bit unnerved. I had my new husband there with me to protect me, but there's not a whole heck of a lot he can do when we're surrounded by hundreds of people jam-packed in like sardines and being yelled at in a foreign language. After about an hour in this baggage claim area, we finally realized that the airport had experienced a bomb threat. So welcome to France. You're now in danger. It was terrifying and it was emotionally draining after having such an exhausting journey. Eventually, we were let go and everything turned out okay. However, the unfortunate incident did not end there. As we went to go get our baggage from a separate area, we realized there were only a few bags left on the conveyor. My husband's was one of them and mine was nowhere to be found. So in the middle of the Charles de Gaulle airport, I broke down in tears. I just had this release of emotion that I, I still can't really explain. I, I tear up at stupid things. I don't tear up at the big things in life. And my husband actually had to start the process of filling out the paperwork while I'm admitting to myself that my honeymoon and my dream trip in Paris is a disaster and it's all gone down the drain. The months of planning was useless. It was going to be miserable. We missed our shuttle from the airport to take us to our hotel, so I had no clue how we were going to get to our accommodations. And I learned a little bit of French, but certainly not enough to try to get myself out of a situation like this. Fortunately, we were able to find a backup shuttle to take us. And as we were leaving, we received word they found my luggage, which anyone who has been in the Charles de Gaulle airport knows they are not in any kind of a hurry to take care of any issues like this. So it is an absolute miracle that I received it. We were the last stop on our shuttle and the ride took about an hour of which I felt so defeated and elated I had no clue what the rest of the trip was going to provide, and I was just so thankful I had my luggage, but so ready to just have the nightmare over and be in our hotel room and not have to deal with anything else. Then I spotted the Eiffel Tower. For the very first time with my own eyes, I saw the object that I had plastered all over my computer and in my bedroom and in our bathroom, basically Parisian decor all over my house. And again, I broke down in tears, but this time it was a pleasant release of emotion. I had never felt so much relief, I think, in my entire life. It finally sunk in that no matter what had happened prior, I was in Paris. I was in the location I had been dreaming about for years. I was in a place I never, ever honestly thought I would make it to. We got to the hotel and realized that 
They had actually given us an upgrade on our room because they knew that we were honeymooners. So we ended up with a private balcony with a view of the Eiffel Tower. This experience of everything happening in this short period of time, I think is so evident of travel. And the rest of the trip really went okay. <laughs> there were more highs and lows, like when we visited Notre Dame. I'm not a religious person at all. I consider myself spiritual. I do think there are miracles and I think that there are unexplained ha things that happen in this world. And I think there's a higher power. If you wanna call him God, that's fine. But when I walked into Notre Dame, I was overcome with this sense of not being alone in the world. And not just because I was surrounded by people, but just knowing that there was a presence of a whole other level around me. You can just feel it when you're inside this cathedral. It is the most gorgeous architecture I've ever seen in my entire life, but the feeling inside that building, the power inside that building is intangible and something that I will never understand. And honestly, that I hope to never understand. When we went to go leave Paris, after having a disastrous start, a wonderful, powerful, spiritual experience in the middle of it, we realized that our plane tickets were no longer valid. The airline that we had the tickets for was no longer operating. And no one had bothered to tell us. So we then had to scramble to try and get onto another airline and make it back home. And so the trip that started so disastrously ended in a very unnerving way as well. And I think that is what travel is about. Those highs and those lows, learning from them, clinging to those very powerful experiences to get you through those unnerving and frustrating and sometimes scary experiences while you're traveling. And that is something that I have carried with me for the years since and that I will always carry with me. Knowing that if you can just make it through those difficult times, those scary times, there are going to be very powerful very emotional, very pleasant experiences waiting for you. That was Brittany Felix with Parisian Roller Coaster of Emotion. Brittany, I absolutely loved that story really really loved it and the one thing that one thing that i can't wait for is we our composer cody he hasn't had to compose a score with a french vibe yet so i'm really <laughs> looking forward to that <laughs> well i am too now <laughs> <laughs> i'm really really looking forward to cody if you're listening man i cannot wait for that i'm hoping for fire oh no what am i what am i hoping for that instrument uh, not a harpsichord that would be ridiculous um accordion that's it i really want some accordion on there <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. 
<laughs> anyway, so yeah, I love the story. It's re- like you say, really captures the the ups and downs of travel. And that is, as you say, really what it's all about. One thing I was wondering was how long you might have mentioned, how long were you in the airport again in the bomb scare? I think it was at least an hour. And when I, I mean, literally everyone who had been arriving from everywhere in the world <laughs> was jam packed into two baggage claims areas. So we were shoulder to shoulder with complete strangers. No way. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. I was in um, Port Authority in uh, in New York and uh, we had the same thing happen. So I was I was in a hostel, I think, in I was in New Jersey and uh, this girl had just arrived and she goes, man, I want to go see, she was from England and she goes, I want to go see New York. I don't know what, you know, what to see. I said, well, I've just been, but I'll go again. Let's go. So we went there and we got into Port Authority and the same thing happened. The whole thing was closed down, but it was, I mean, it's a much bigger space. We weren't shoulder to shoulder with people, but, <laughs> and, uh, and we were there and it was like the first time I've met this girl. And it was like, I think we were there for a good, a good two hours, but it was, mm. it was one of those things where it's like, I could either see this as, man, this sucks. Oh no, with the bomb and like, and stuff like that. Or let's get to know this girl. This is, you know, how often are you trapped right. somewhere with someone you've just met? It's an ideal kind of social thing in a way. So like, how did you... A lot you... of romance movies seem to start that way. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good point. <laughs> oh, I missed a trick there. I missed a trick there. <laughs> so how did you deal with the, with the kind of, you know, if there was any fear or any, you know, obviously annoyance and stuff like that? How did you deal with those, those negative emotions? Honestly, at that point... Like I said, I hadn't, this was dinner time on a Sunday and I hadn't slept since the pre, the morning, the previous day. So I, (laughs) I, I was done. I just, I didn't have the energy really to be anything other than just over the entire situation. Honestly, I I was more annoyed than scared, Mm. which looking back now is ridiculous, but you know, I guess maybe that caused me to not panic. So that's good. But no, I just, I just wanted the situation to be over with. And I had planned everything myself and this was our first international trip. And so I knew the longer we were there, you know, I knew we were going to have issues with our luggage. We were going to miss our shuttle. I was trying to figure out how to fix all of those things while we were still packed in like sardines. So it was not a very fun situation. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like when you're tired or, you know, you haven't slept for a while, it's just, you know, if you take, if you're doing a hike or you're doing a marathon or something, you're doing a long, long run, you go, man, if I keel over now, I'd be okay with that. You know, it's (laughs) (laughs) It's over. Yeah. You just don't care anymore. It's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. We'll see what happens. (laughs) No, I know exactly what you mean. As soon as it's the same with me, as soon as I get tired or like, like you say, you've been up for ages, it's like, man, it's, I don't know, anything could happen. I don't care. <laughs> I've clocked out. I've clocked out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I want to talk about your podcast. Now, as we know, I love travel podcasts. I have mm-hmm. a travel podcast. I, <laughs> I live travel podcasts. <laughs> so, Living Unconventionally, the title says it all, Living Unconventionally. So, let me understand this correctly. So you you have people on, you interview people, and you talk about these lives that some people have where it's not the standard life. It's not the life that you're, I don't want to say groomed or, or anything like that, that you're told to live, that you're supposed to live. And I'd imagine you have, you know, uh, a lot of gold come up in that where it's, you know, little bits of wisdom of how to do it or anything like that. So if you could sum it up in your, what do they call it? Elevator pitch, <laughs> living unconventionally. Like what's, what's it about? 
uh, kind of my little tagline that I tell people whenever I'm telling them about the show is that I interview people who have ditched their traditional lives to chase their passions around the world. Nice. That is an elevator pitch. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> See, people always ask me for an elevator pitch and I'm, I'm talking for maybe five, ten minutes, something like that. <laughs> I'm like, man, we're going to the 7,000th floor. Come on, man. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. So you have people like, is it mainly people that travel or is it people outside of the travel sector or anything like that? It's mostly people who travel, but I do like to bring some unique perspectives on the show. So it's not always full-time digital nomads. I do have those and that's who the majority of my guests are. But I have people who have just taken, uh, you know, I had one guest who quit college to take a two-month trek through Central America. And since then has refused to go back to a traditional life, essentially. He's now a traveling speaker and things like that. So, so yeah, it's, it's typically digital nomads, but not always. I like those unique stories. Mm, nice. So for this show, uh, like we have a lot of different people on. And the main theme that generally seems to come through is this theme of ups and downs. You know, you have highs, you have lows, exactly like in your story. You have the highs, you have the lows. You deal with the lows and you appreciate the highs. That's one thing that that kind of comes across in a lot of the people in our show. That's a major theme. So if you were to have a theme like something's come up millions of times in your show, what would that be? What's the, the overarching theme that binds all of these people together? The overarching theme is just people who are sick and tired of living their life on repeat. They are tired of routines and they know that there is adventure to be had. And so they do whatever they can to make that switch and make that change. Nice, nice. And something you were saying earlier, the fact that you're you're settling down now, but you're in the future, you're leaving it open to more travel and potentially solo travel. I think that's really mm -hmm. interesting that you can have that type of understanding, you know, in a relationship, in a marriage where it's like, if I want to go off and do my thing and fulfill my passion, then I'm going to go off and do that by myself. And the other person saying, yeah, that's cool. I understand. I really, really respect that. That's that's got to be pretty hard to get. Is it that complete understanding that I have to go do my thing and and you have to do your thing? Is it is it that easy? On paper, yes. <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. in practice, it takes work. It really really does. I think the thing is I married somebody who is so similar to me in the sense of they really value their independence. He is a very independent person and he understands that personality trait because he experiences it himself. So he knows that there are things that I have to do for me. And if he is not comfortable with going along with me, it's not going to stop me. We are married, but again, it kind of goes back to the whole authority thing. I'm never going to allow anyone to tell me what I can and can't do. So he's kind of just had to embrace it. He's protective. Obviously he loves me. He worries about me, but he also trusts me implicitly. And he knows that I am a strong capable woman who can take care of herself. Mm -hmm. Man, I respect that so much. That's so cool that you can have that much understanding. That's that's really awesome. That's really awesome. So do you have any anything lined up, any solo travel kind of that you're thinking of doing or any joint travel that you're thinking of doing right now? Right now I have my sights set on there is a trip in July to Guatemala and it's Antigua, Guatemala has actually come up in my podcast a lot. It was not on my radar whatsoever prior to starting my podcast, but it has really intrigued me and everyone just has fantastic things to say about it. So there is actually 
kind of a mission trip slash podcast event happening in July in Guatemala. And so it seems very, very interesting. I'm only just now learning about it. They haven't actually released the pricing for it yet, but that's that's on my radar. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love when there's that, that type of group travel in a way, you know, people mm -hmm. set it up and other people go. I think Jackie from the Budget Minded Traveler, her and um, Nathaniel Boyle from the Travelers, they set up one, I think it was last year to Patagonia. And it just, mm -hmm. apparently it just went down a storm, you know, everything's kind of, because there's, there's those two types of thinking where you want to go somewhere and you want to not plan anything. And it's it's very mm -hmm. much my, my type of travel, actually. And you go and you don't plan anything, you just see what happens. And then there's the other style where it's like, this is what we're going to do. And there's obviously there's benefits to both. And the benefits of the group thing is that, you know, you're going to have a good time. You know, you know, those things are all, well... You know what I mean? <laughs> Those things are all kind of <laughs> sorted and, uh, and yeah, everything's going to be great. So I love that idea of this, uh, of this group travel thing. Have you done stuff like that in the past? I actually have not. Um, and I, I am such a, an enigma because I like to plan. I like to research as much as I can just because I feel that when I know more about where I'm going and what I'm experiencing, I can appreciate it more in the moment. But I also have that side to me that's like, you know, screw schedules. I just want to go out. And if I feel like taking a left on this road, I'm going to take a left. If I want to stop at this restaurant, well, I'm going to stop. And so I think the balance is as odd as it sounds, maybe scheduling a little bit of time for spontaneity and how that I think is going to translate for me if I do this Guatemala trip will be maybe staying on an extra week after the event where it is just me and I do have the freedom to just go, you know, wherever I want, whatever I want. Mm, yeah, that's, man, that's exactly like me. Like, I always do, I, I know what you're saying, it's it's not really planning, but it's researching in a way. There must be a better mm -hmm. word for it, but before you go, it's <laughs> like, what's here, what's there, how do I say all this in the language? And like, what can potentially, what, what can I do there, you know? Mm -hmm. But not being, I will do this on this day and then I will go there. You know, it's it's having the knowledge of, I could go there and do that. It opens up the opportunities to go there and do these things, but you're not tied to them. It's, right. man, I do it the exact same way. I do it the exact same way. It's like not buying a return journey. I very, very rarely buy uh, return flights, you know, like mm -hmm. I always go, because you never know, you know, I, I always use the same example. I always say, what if you're in Brazil, you're in Rio and some guys say, hey, we're about to get this boat and travel to this island and like, uh, you know, you're leaving in three days and they go, yeah, we're going in four days. It's like, man, <laughs> <laughs> you know, surefire right. way to miss out on things. So, right. And that's actually my definition of freedom is having the ability to not say no to any opportunities that I want to seize. And so I do everything really with, you know, the intention of restricting any chance that I am going to have to say no to something I want to do. Yes, yes. Well, man, we're such kindred spirits. <laughs> I always think about it like anytime, uh, say you're going to, I don't know, let's pick somewhere. Say you're going to Thailand, right? And uh, you want to make sure that you're open to as many opportunities that can come your way. And there's things that you can do, which, yes, can potentially guarantee you a great time, which is like, hey, I'm going to book in this trip where on this week we're going to go to this island. And it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. But know that when you do that, it shuts you down to the myriad of opportunities that come your way when you're not there during that week. And then I think the second half of it is having that ability to say yes to those opportunities, saying yes and, and welcoming these opportunities that if 
you know, if you're available and free to them, they present themselves. Man, mm -hmm. I love it with such kindred spirits. <laughs> That's great. So you have the podcast Living Unconventionally. Is there anything else you're anything else you're up to right now? Yes, actually, I am working on some online courses because the whole point of starting my podcast was to help people like the person I used to be and who who feels just so stuck in their lives and so overwhelmed by the amount of information out there about starting this lifestyle. I want to let them know those very first steps and get them pointed in the right direction. That's kind of the whole purpose of the podcast. And so now I'm going to have some online courses for people who don't want to sort through the 120 plus episodes that I have to get the information. And the first people that are going to be notified when those courses go live are actually going to be the members of my Living Unconventionally Facebook community. And there are over 450 members in there right now who are all basically just like you and I, they've got the same travel mindset, the same desire for freedom and adventure, and they love connecting with like-minded people. Fantastic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all that in the show notes. And secondly, I'm going to join that Facebook group myself, <laughs> because <laughs> the reason being, I want to know as soon as this comes out, as soon as your courses come out, because it always comes up about, you know, how do I, how do I live this lifestyle? How do I begin? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to begin. And I always say, you know, I recommend different books for our work week, Vagabonding by Rolf Potts, loads of different things. But I'd love to have this one thing that I can send people to and know that they're going to get treated well and they're going to have all the information that they need. So I, I need to know as soon as it's ready so I can start sending <laughs> people there. That's awesome. I can't wait. Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, there's so much about having an online business or travel hacking but I feel like those are those are the second and third steps. Mm. You know, there there are things you have to do. You have to work on your mindset and you have to get your current life in order and situated before you can work on starting a new one. I was just about to say it's about mindset, isn't it? That's got to be mm -hmm. the first. I mean, that's the first thing of any type of personal change is mindset. Because, I mean, how hard would it be to to lead that lifestyle if you're still in the old mindset? You know, <laughs> There's, you'd come up right. against a lot of roadblocks, you know, that's. Oh man, I'm so looking forward to it. I can't wait to watch it myself, <laughs> even though I already live that life. So I can't wait to watch it myself. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, it's been so cool having you on the show. Where can people find you if they want to talk to you? Yeah, they can, of course, contact me in the Facebook group. Uh, my website is livingunconventionally.com. And the podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, my website, basically anywhere you can find a podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Hayden. I've, I've had such a blast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Travel Stories Podcast. Every day I get more and more grateful for you guys, our listeners, and it really means a lot that you tune in each week. Let us know if you enjoyed this episode on TravelStoriesPodcast.com or by subscribing in iTunes. We'd love to have you over at our Facebook page. Just search Travel Stories Podcast and come and get involved. The team's always there to chat about travel, podcasts, composition, writing, or anything else at all. You can also drop us a line at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. We do answer everything. On behalf of myself and the team, thanks again for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it and would love for you to join us next week for another episode of the Travel Stories Podcast.